Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am really excited to have you here today. Today, I am honored to welcome Becky Proudfit to the podcast, and you may know her as one half of Becky Squared, where she co-hosts the podcast Cultivate a Good Life with Becky Higgins. She is also, fun fact, a former Disney princess, a wife and a mom of four, a lover of travel, and a cancer survivor. And I am so excited to dive in and hear more about Becky's story. So welcome to the podcast, Becky. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. Really happy to have you. Okay, well, let's, I don't like to waste a whole lot of time, like just with the chit chat and all of that. I want to just dive in because we've got 30 minutes and I really want to hear so much of your story. So let's start out talking about how has motherhood refined you? Oh, in every way. I think motherhood is like the greatest mirror to like look inside of your own soul. And it has tested me more than anything else. I've had to dig deep and become really firmly rooted in my faith and in letting go and in trusting Heavenly Father's plan. That has been the biggest journey um, that I have been on. For the longest time, I feel like I struggled as a mom because every little thing my kids did I would, I would put it back on myself. Like, what does that mean about me as a mom? If my kid doesn't want to do his homework, what does that mean if they are not wanting to go to primary or I'm having to force them to go to the temple or I'm having to remind them to read their scriptures and pray. And I just kept like putting it on me. Like, what about, what does this mean about me as a human being? If my kids are not, are not wanting to do these things all on their own and innately having these desires that I so badly want them to have. and um, there was a time my husband, he stopped me because I was laying in bed at night as I do as a mother and like <laughs> go over <laughs> the day in my head and then project that onto like their lifetime success and happiness. And he stopped me and he was like, you've got to stop. Like you're miserable because you're making this all about you. And this has nothing to do with you. And he said, your, our kids' successes are not because of you. And our kids' failures are not because of you. And their agency is what they're exercising right now. And your job is to love them. And you, you do that perfectly. And I wanted to punch him in the face initially. Cause I was like, <laughs> did you just call me selfish? And then I had to stop. And I was like, he's totally right. He's totally right. Like mm-hmm. whose plan am I following here? Because what I was wanting was for them to be obedient and perfect. And that was Satan's plan. That was totally Satan's plan. Exactly. When I realized and recognized like the beauty of the gift of agency my children have, I was able to stop trying to control everything. I was able to untether my self-worth from from their making perfect decisions the first time and just really recognize the beauty of agency and growth and the journey and what that looks like and how to love in a more charitable and, and perfect way. And when I started to do that, like it changed every area of my life. It changed my friendships because I was able to love without expectation and love in a more, a more freeing way. And so it really kind of changed everything for me. And I found myself with a lot more peace and a lot happier. 
Yeah, that's that's a message that comes up a lot on the podcast. In fact, my previous episode, we talked about that. Like, whose plan do you want to follow? Do you want to follow Heavenly Father's plan? Do you want to follow Satan's plan? Yeah. And I think it's really hard. Like something that I've I've always often said about motherhood, it's like every weakness that I've ever had in my life is like thrown in your face when you're yes. a mother, right? Yes. Like any kind of weakness that you have, it totally comes out. Yep. But I love I love that concept of thinking about agency and the agency that our kids have and parenting in heavenly father's way right so what does that look like for you so how, and how did you make that shift to to thinking about that so a few things um i am like a a very uh avid learner like i love i go to education week every year i'm i love reading books i love reading the words of the prophets and apostles like i just soak up and just love like that constant pursuit of, of knowledge of, I want to hear everything anyone has said that's in, you know, that, that has a prophetic voice because I want to have all the details and informations and point of view. And so one year at education week, um, Mary Lee Boyack, who doesn't speak a ton anymore, but she used to do it a ton. She's my favorite. I went to a four day series all about agency and it wow. changed my motherhood. It changed it because she straight up said day one, you cannot make your kids go to church and you cannot tie a blessing. Like you can't say, if you go on a mission, then I'll pay for college. If you get your evil scout, then you can have a car. She said, you, when you tie the attributes of the gospel, when you tie obedience to heavenly father's law with obedience to your law, with obedience to parents, she said, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot because a, you're not recognizing their agency. And B, when kids are, you know, 14, 15, 16, it's very developmentally appropriate for them to be separating, right? Separating from their parents and starting to like grow their own spiritual legs. Well, if you tie obedience to your house rules, your parental rules and obedience to the gospel together, when they start to developmentally separate from you, which is appropriate and healthy and wonderful, they also can move away from the gospel because it never was about obedience to the Lord. It was about obedience to you. And so one thing I have really shifted on is, um, well, first of all, in our house, we joke that we're still working on the first commandment. And so when we master that, we'll move on to the rest, but we're working on loving the Lord thy God and then loving thy neighbor as thyself. Like we're still firmly rooted in that. And so we are trying with our kids to shift the thinking from that obedience, if you're obedient to the commandments, that will create a love of God and a relationship with the Savior. We're really trying to create that love of the Savior and that relationship and know and have faith that when you have a love of the Savior and a relationship with your Father in heaven, that that then promotes and creates and you have a desire to be obedient. So we kind of flip-flop that around. And the new Come Follow Me curriculum is so mm. perfect because it is creating, I just, oh, I love it so much, but it is creating such an intimate relationship with the Savior. And as that has happened, I have seen the kids be, be asking to go to the temple, to be doing the things um, that they need to be doing to, to foster that relationship. But it had to be untethered to obedience to me because it's not about me. It never yeah. was about me. Yeah. And agency is, you know, you think about we get a body, right? That's one of our biggest blessings. Agency is also a blessing, right? And 
it's not something I should be taking away from my kids. It's just not something I can do. And if I recognize it as a tool, if I recognize it as the blessing that it is and teach them to use that agency appropriately, I'm a lot happier of a parent and they're actually learning something and they're not just learning to be obedient to me. They're learning to have their obedience be a reflection of their love of the savior. And that has changed everything. I totally love that. Like so many things we could go, go back and to talk about this. Um, one of the, one of the things that I've talked about a lot on the podcast is my husband and I, we have a goal that we are not raising good kids, but we want to raise people who become great adults and who can go out and contribute in society. And a lot of times we focused on the physical things like, you know, we make our kids get up on their own and they have to pack their own lunch and, you know, all these things to make them self-sufficient and independent. But what you're saying is it's so important that we teach our kids that self-sufficiency spiritually as well, that they, when they leave our house, they're not standing on our testimony. They're not standing on, oh, my mom told me to do this. So that's why I'm going to do it. But they have a love of God that that is, that love is what motivates them to be obedient. You know, because I feel like as, as I've become an adult and, and I'm a convert to the church. So I feel like my spiritual journey is a little bit um, different where I can, I can look back to that one moment where I for sure looked everything in the face and said, I am choosing the Lord. I'm choosing the gospel. And I feel so blessed because of that, because I have that moment where I'm like, I made that choice and I don't, I don't waver because I, I just, that moment is so like strong in my mind. I feel like with the kids, the testimony thing, they have, they just have to, president Nelson has told us time and time again, it, you know, it's no longer going to be possible for us to live without mm-hmm. the constant companionship of the Holy ghost. And we are seeing that come to pass every single day. I'm sure yeah. every parent listening, I mean, you see that in every second of your kid's life, it is not possible for them to live and be happy without the spirit. It just is not. And the whole obedience thing and the agency thing is, is tricky because that means passing through pain. It means, um, allowing, um, allowing your child to feel what it feels like to not have the spirit. And Hank Smith has this awesome talk and I'm not even remembering which talk it was part of, but one of his amazing talks. And he said, he hears from kids a lot. Like, I don't think I'm feeling the spirit. I don't even think I'm feeling the spirit. So I don't even know what I'm supposed to be like looking for. And he encouraged the youth. Okay. So if you're raised in the church and you're basically doing pretty much the right things, you might not realize what it feels like to not fill with the spirit. Mm-hmm. So he encourages them to look at when is the time when you have felt miserable? When is the time when you have for sure felt that, you know, the spirit was gone and you felt that like emptiness focus on that moment because anything that's not that moment is you feeling the spirit. So instead of having them look for that big experience, sometimes we all get like, you know, fixated on of like right. angels coming down and the heavens opening and singing. And, and I, so I pointed that out to my kids time and time again, as I'm like, you're in a home where the spirit is present. You're doing most of the right things and totally exercising the atonement, which is so beautiful and wonderful and good. And that's the plan. But what is the time when you haven't felt the spirit? What does it feel like to not feel the spirit? Because it helps them to realize how much they are feeling the spirit and every day with those little correct decisions they're making. And I think that's taken a lot of the pressure off of, um, of them feeling like they need to be perfect, to be worthy of feeling like this huge, you know, spiritual yeah. that I think sometimes they get caught up in expecting. 
Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't know if you're familiar, but I did a series of podcasts um, a few weeks, a few months ago about five ways to become more spiritually minded. And it was not some checklist cookie cutter, cookie cutter approach. I was trying to help mom see you feel the spirit. You just may not realize it. Yes. And so, and, and it's not like, okay, this person gets up in sacrament meeting and they cry and they're feeling the spirit. So if I don't do that, then yeah. I'm not feeling the spirit. No, that's not what it is. And so it's just learning to recognize it in ourselves. And then we can go to our kids. And I love that. Yeah. I've never thought of how you said that, like to help them think about a time when they weren't feeling the spirit, when they were miserable. That's really good. And I've always tried to point out times when my kids are feeling the spirit and they may not realize it. Yeah. Like I had an experience with one of my teenagers who came and sat down and talked to talk to me and I will credit president Nelson for this because I was reading, it was during that time when we were reading the book of Mormon mm -hmm. last at the end of last year. And I was reading faithfully every day and I was in tune enough to recognize, Oh, this is a teaching moment. And he sat down yeah. and he said, mom, I had a prayer answered. And he told me about this prayer being answered. It was a really simple thing. And I was like, this is so great. And whoosh, the spirit came into the room. And I said to him, do you feel that? That is the Holy Ghost testifying to you that this is true. And it was such a simple thing. And he was like, yeah, mom. And you could see, I could see it on his face. He was feeling it. And we yeah. just kind of sat there for a minute. And then he hugged me and he went to bed. It was like a five minute interaction that I will never forget. And I hope he will never forget, but we, I had to identify it. And once I identified it, the spirit was so strong and he was there. So I love that you're, but I love your perspective of, Hey, let them know when they haven't felt it. And then, yeah. and then let's show them when they do feel it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, going back to president Nelson, I was thinking, well, how do we gather Israel? Well, if we're teaching our kids to feel the spirit and to know what that looks like for them, then they can go out and teach other people and gather Israel. Right. So as mothers, we are a huge part of that. Oh, I totally, I a hundred percent love everything that you said and, and pointing out the spirit is so important because yeah. I'm actually a person. I, I am not a crier. Like it is not my go-to emotion. And right. time I was like, what is wrong with me that like people get up and start crying. I'm like, am I not there yet? Am I not on some higher spiritual plane? And it took me a few years after being baptized to realize the spirit to me is joy is that immense joy and, and motivation and, and it's different emotions for everyone. Um, I, it's interesting because I know that you and I have talked too about even, um, you know, starting the podcast and realizing just the jobs that heavenly father had for us to do. And so I think that is also super important is when my kids and, and we're very open with them when, when we started the podcast and when I started to be sharing my life on Instagram, you know, we sat down in a family council and said, this is where I am feeling guided and directed to go. This is what Heavenly Father is telling me I need to do. And when Heavenly Father tells me I need to do something, I have to have the faith to move forward and to be fearless and to know that his plan for me is greater than my plan for myself. And he knows the end from the beginning. And so I'm going to follow, even though I'm terrified, even though I feel like I'm not enough, even though all these things, mm -hmm. I'm still going to move forward. And, and when you have, when you have those moments in your personal life of those, of having clear and direct impressions, I try to be really honest with the kids and say, the, you know, this is the impression I'm getting and I am terrified and I'm doubting myself and I'm going to do it anyways. And they've, they've seen me kind of walk through. And I know this has been the same for you is as our kids have seen us like take direction and go with it. Um, I think that has given, given my kids a different perspective of like, 
oh, wait, sometimes mom is told to do things and it makes her afraid and makes her Mm -hmm. have self-doubt. And I've honestly, a lot this year, talked to my children about what the presence of Satan feels like and what opposition feels like. And um, so our family motto scripture is second Nephi um, in second Nephi. It's, you know, you must press forward with the steadfastness in Christ, mm-hmm. having a perfect brightness of hope. And we talk a lot about what does it mean to press forward? And, you know, if you think about two, uh, two forces, you can't press upon something that doesn't exist. So the very act of Satan pressing upon you means that you, he's testifying of the strength that exists in you. Because if you didn't have something to press upon, he'd be running you over, right? And so when Satan is pressing in on us and we feel that, which normally happens right before you're about to do something awesome, or you're about to be directed right to where Heavenly Father needs you. um, When Satan's pressing in on you, we've taught our kids like, that's Satan testifying of your truth because he does not bother with people who don't matter. He doesn't bother with, with people he's not afraid of. And so when you feel that, you take that in your mind and you say, heck yes, Satan is telling me how strong I am, how in tune I am, how faithful I am. And in your face, like, yes, you can press on me all you want because it's going to strengthen me. And we have talked so much this year about that, about that notion with our kids is, let everything around you testify of your strength, of your light, of your goodness, and just taking all that opposition. Because man, these poor kids—we think we know what it's like because we were teens. No, we don't. So don't know what it's we like. We don't. It's a different time. Oh, so I different. I love like you have given me such a new perspective about how to approach the spirit. You know, teaching our children spiritually because you're using opposites. Isn't that how we see that pattern all over in the scriptures? Um, you know, I was just been reading in third Nephi and, and the savior comes and he's talking about, you know, yeah, you know, you can pray and use vain repetitions, but wouldn't it be so much better if you had it come from your heart and it was in secret and you weren't doing it to be seen of men. I mean, how many times through the scriptures do we see that? So that is such a great pattern. You're helping me to recognize that, you know, using, showing the opposite is such a great way to teach our children. They, they will totally get that. That will resonate with them. Well, and as you know, learning Satan's game plan. And we talk a lot about, you know, Satan is a master of counterfeit, right? And so a lot of his, his tactics look, look eerily similar to that of the gospel. And you have to be able to learn his playbook and he's not stupid. He knows he's not going to get smart to to like do something crazy, but he's going to just take that, that gospel truth and just that one degree off like that uh, talk president Uchtdorf gave about, about flying and Mm -hmm. being just a few degrees off and how far it can take you. It's those little moments of just twisting the truth. And, and so we've tried, it sounds weird to say, but we really have tried to like focus on, on learning Satan's game plan, because I found with my kids, as they got older, as they're dealing with more temptation and just being exposed to more, that there was some self-doubt going on of like, well, I suck. Like if I mess up, that means I suck and I'm not strong and I'm not faithful and I'm not all these things. And, and I, I, we had to identify for them and give them that visual of like, this is what the lack of truth looks like. This is what the lie is. This is what the counterfeit is. And there's so much hope because guess what? It's part of the plan. This is a necessary part of the plan. Mm-hmm. And if you fall to temptation, you don't suck. You have an opportunity to utilize the atonement of your savior. And, and as our children, you know, we all utilize the atonement every day. But as I've watched my children be able to exercise the atonement, 
what a beautiful experience that has been. And something that, ought, you know, when, when my kids were younger, I thought, oh my gosh, if my kids ever had to go to the bishop, I would be so sad and I would just die. And, and I totally had such a change of heart to say, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that my child has had the opportunity to tap into that, you know, that, that pool of love and that different relationship that is just between them and the Savior. That has been so cool. And, and just, I've had such a testimony of how that is part of the plan, a necessary part mm-hmm. of the plan, uh, you know, uh, the atonement and, and repenting in that whole process is so necessary for our kids. And it is beautiful. It's just, it's so precious and beautiful. And um, it's just been a totally different it's way different. I don't know what I thought raising teenagers was going to be like, but this is way different than what I thought it would be like. And it's been a really precious, precious experience. Yeah. Well, I always say I love teenagers. I have loved this phase of motherhood. Love it. Because you start to see who they really are and you get to see all those things that you taught them when they were little start to come out and come to fruition. But I love what you're saying about pointing. I think what you're saying is point them to the savior. You know, don't point them to yourself. It's like you said at the beginning, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the savior and point them to him because I've often told my kids, especially um, one child in particular, when they first became a teenager, struggled a lot with the friend thing and, you know, all of yeah. those social things and, you know, friends like dissing her and leaving her in the dust and all of that stuff that, that teenagers deal with. And I often told her, I'm like, your friends are always going to disappoint you. Dad and I are always going to disappoint you. Like we're not perfect, but I can point you to one person that will never, ever disappoint you. He will be the greatest friend that you can ever have. He will always be there. And that is a savior. And so I think, you know, for me, it was just teaching her how to go to him and how to rely on him. And, you know, I can, yes, I'm here to guide you. And, you know, Heavenly Father has given me that stewardship to be your mother, but, but you, you know, you can go to him and he is perfect. I mean, don't we all want someone perfect in our life that is never going to let us down? Yes. And that's the truth is you cannot place that expectation on any mortal being because no. it's, it's, it's really not fair because no one can live up to that. We, you know, with this past Easter um, and in doing our come follow me studies, we were talking about, yeah, obviously the atonement and, and what that means for us in our life. And I, I told my kids the part of the atonement, um, of course, Christ died for our sins so that we could have eternal life so that we would have the opportunity to return and be with him again, that is so overwhelmingly beautiful. I can't even process it. But the part that has just, I don't even know how to say it, but it has just penetrated my heart so deeply. As I said, the part of the atonement where Christ was in the garden of Gethsemane and he felt for me what it felt like when a friend disses me, he felt what it, and he felt all those extra things, not to fulfill an eternal law um, for, so I could gain exaltation. He did that solely for the purpose of being able to be that one perfect friend, like you said, so that he passed through every negative insecurity, every self-doubt, every self-hatred, every um, anxiety, every single thing or negative emotion or things that are done to me. He has suffered all of that so that he would know how to succor me in my time of need. And that part of the atonement, because it didn't fulfill an eternal law what it did was it made him the perfect friend. And that to me has just been so 
overwhelming in, in its magnitude of just what that means. And that we truly are never, ever, ever alone. And when my kids say, you don't understand, I can say to them, honestly, you're totally right. I love you and I'll be here for you. And I don't understand, mm -hmm. but there's someone who does. Yes. Because he sat in Gethsemane and felt exactly what you're feeling. So that when you, Weston, come to him, he would know how to say to you, I've been there. I know what it feels like. And you can do this. And that to me has just, oh, that just this Easter season, particularly that just, just touched my heart so, so deeply and watching them develop that friendship. Right. I love that you said that, that Christ is a perfect friend, which is why the come follow me curriculum is so special to me because we're learning about Christ from his inner circle, from his very best yes, friends. Yes. And, and it's just really cultivating that friendship. And I think the friendship is where the growth happens, where the love happens, where the trust happens. And all those things culminate in obedience and being able to have faith and move forward and all these things that we want. But I think sometimes we get focused on the end and we forget the beginning, right? Like we try right. to get to the end or we focus on the end result and we forget like the point of obedience is to express our love, right? That is right. the point of obedience. And so- yeah, it's been a really, really cool year. And I'm so excited for the seminary curriculum next year. Oh, wow. How that was fun. so needed. Really... Yes. I, oh. I cheered when I saw that. That is, yes. that is so great. Yeah. Thank and if you, you, yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, so the church is going to align everything so that in seminary, in Sunday school at home, we're all going to be studying the same thing at the same time, which I mean, our kids are just going to really get it from all sides and it's going to be great. It's, it's going to help all of us. We have big plans for our kids with seminary um, next year because now, and we've talked about, come follow me. It is so simple and wonderful that, that the kids can be leading it themselves. But now that they're going to be getting it from seminary, which is going to have a totally different, you know, handbook aligned mm -hmm. with the same. I can't wait to be giving them a, a, a role of teacher within our home in a, in a yeah. bigger, more profound way. Oh, the things that they learn at seminary. My my boys actually have the same seminary teacher. And so they're not in the same hour, but they get the same lessons. And they the stuff that they've taught us recently, I'm like, wow, I had no idea. This is so great. Ugh. So yeah, making your kids teachers. And I wanted to point out what you said about, you know, pointing our kids to the Savior, that whole thing that we've talked about. Isn't that a comforting thought as a mother that you don't have to be perfect? <laughs> That's the uh, thing I was thinking yes. of. Like, how let go of all that perfection and all of that thing that, you know, I have to be everything. I have to be the whole world for my kids. We don't. We can because bring what we have and let the Heavenly Father and the Savior make up the rest. And the lie is, is that if I'm a perfect mother, then my children will be faithful and happy and loving and all these things. And that's a myth because even, mm -hmm. even if I was a perfect mom, which I can't be, right? even if I were, that doesn't mean it's not A plus B equals C. No. It doesn't mean if I do that, then, then my kids are going to have the perfect, the perfect life. That's just not how it is. And so I've really come to totally find comfort in that to say, my job is to love God, to love God, to have faith, to keep myself spiritually full so that I'm able to receive the direction to know how to parent my children and to love my children with the most charitable heart I possibly can in my mortal body and just love their little brains out and make that love not contingent on anything, not on their obedience, yeah. not on anything. The same way Heavenly Father has that love for me. And I feel like this year, everything spiritually has been broken down to the basics. 
and they're just really taking everything back to the basics. And it has, it has just edified our family and it's given us just so much joy and so much peace and so much hope. I just, I love it. I love it so much. I feel like we're all spiritually on fire this year with, with the growth right. we're having. And it's, it's, it's special. It's, I love it's, it. it's so great. And in, I think sometimes it's easy to sit here and say, oh yeah, agency, this is so great. It's such a gift. But you know, there's moms out there who have children who are not choosing what they would have them choose. Yeah. So what would you say to those moms? I mean, I know that you probably haven't been there totally and you're, you're just getting into this teenager thing, but you know, what hope would you give to those moms whose children are not choosing the, the, the way that, you know, in your heart, you would love for them to choose? So I would say a few things, and actually this is one of the most common um, DMs that I get is from moms whose kids are not choosing, um, are not choosing the right things that are going to bring them peace and joy and happiness. Um, number one, I'm just going to say it. It's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not because of you. It's not. It's not if you had not missed that day of scriptures. This has nothing to do with you. This is a hundred percent their journey. And I'll also say as a convert to the church, um, I wasn't baptized till I was 20 years old. And so I had a lot of life experiences before, um, before finding the gospel and being baptized. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that I was born into the family I was. I had the experiences I had so that I could become a convert, so that I could have the strength of testimony that I have today. And so we get fixated on the straight and narrow path. And sometimes I think we need to have a visual of the straight and narrow path being bumpy and sideways and, and hard to follow. And, and ultimately you reach a summit, but we don't have the right to say that there is one way to do that. Heavenly mm -hmm. father knows better than us. And I would so much rather have my kids experience what it feels like to not have the spirit to know that they want it because that creates a strength. When you don't have the spirit and when you have to work to, to regain that, when you have to make a choice to regain that, you develop a strength, a strength and a reliance on your savior that I don't know you can get any other way. And so there's always hope. You're loving your kids should not be contingent on them um, making right choices. And if you love them, and you are listening to the promptings of the Holy Ghost, you have to trust that the Lord's plan is better than your plan. And it has nothing to do with you. Your worth yeah. as a mother is not contingent on your kids, being a member of the church, being faithful, having a relationship with Christ, like your worth is inherent and so is theirs. And so do what you need to do, love their brains out and trust the Lord's plan. Let the Lord do his work. You don't have to do his work. Let the Lord work on your child's heart. You keep your heart in check and love your child. Yeah. And I, I, say. I say that often. Isn't usually the answer. If you have a question, usually the answer is love. Mm -hmm. It always goes back to that. And that, that's what the Savior has for us. That's why he did what he did for us was because of love. I, I really love everything that you've shared. This has been so helpful to me. I always learn something from guests and you are no exception to that. So thank you so much. And I just have one final question that I want to ask you. And that is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? Oh man, how have I not seen God in motherhood? <laughs> um, the fact that I was even able to become a mother 
Um, the fact I look back at pictures of me sitting with my first baby and because I was like four years old, it feels like. But when I look at those pictures, I am overwhelmed with the trust that Heavenly Father placed in me because I didn't feel ready. I didn't like, I didn't feel worthy at that time. I didn't feel any of those things. But the fact that Heavenly Father placed that trust in me, um, I have been able to see his hand because I have developed a new reliance, a reliance I didn't even know existed before that. I've, I have, I, in partnering with the Lord in motherhood, there's just no other way. There's no other way for me to do it and to come out intact. Mm -hmm. And I've had to rely on the Lord in ways I just didn't even think were possible. And likewise, I have, I have seen the Lord show me things about myself as I've come in prayer. I've, I've seen him develop talents in me and develop traits in me to be able to serve my children. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but if people aren't seeing Heavenly Father in their motherhood, I would just encourage them to take 30 minutes of stillness just with an open notebook and ask him. Heavenly Father, how have you been in my motherhood? And sit there until something comes into your head. Look back at all those experiences. Look back and just recognize and see because he is there. If you allow him to be, he is there in every moment of that motherhood because the only person who loves your child and cares about their success more than you do is Heavenly Father. He's the only one. And he will show you, he'll show you it all, but we have to take time to stop and ask and remember. I love that reminder. Be still and you'll know, right? Isn't that what we, yes, that we hear. And that is such a, your testimony is beautiful and it's inspiring and your advice to just sit and write and let Heavenly Father tell you how he's been there is so perfect. So Becky, thank you so much. I have loved interviewing you and is so excited to share this. Well, thank you. Thank you for your podcast. I, I'm so inspired by watching women um, get direction from the Lord and, and move forward fearlessly. And so thank you for being a light in the podcasting world and on social media. Oh, thank you. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.